Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Exurgat deus dissipentur de nemici eius. Et fugiancio deruntium aface eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let all those who hate him flee from before his face. Man, it has been a colorful weekend. <coughs> I mean, we're headed towards midweek now. But when I look back over the last week, between the FBI raiding the president's home in Mar-a-Lago and <laughs> them taking his passport, the continued fallout from very, very bad foreign policy, <laughs> the fact that we're now actually reaching 18.1% inflation, <whistles> yeah, it's looking to be kind of heinous, in all honesty. But it got more colorful as we approach the feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. <laughs> as all of the as all of the uh, people who demonstrate that they don't really love our Lord, because they don't have any regard for his family on earth, just came out of the woodwork. And the last of the battles to pop off was against the Rosary. Which I find wildly entertaining because when you look at everything that's happened by and large over the last couple of years but most especially what's happened in the last few months it should be very obvious at this point that we are in a battle between good and evil I don't have a whole lot to say about where we're at currently except that by the time you hear this well, Liz Cheney will no longer be in Congress. Thank you, Wyoming, for doing us a solid. West Virginia, you're next. But we're approaching the midweek, and there haven't been any bombshells to fall lately. So, I guess we'll just kind of carry on. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. 
Sancta Michael Arcangel, defendenos in Proelium. Contra nequitiamit insidias, diaboli est opraesidium. Imperatilideis suplegis deprecamur, tuque princeps militae caelestis, satra maliosque spiritus malignos, que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum detrude. Amen. Cor Jesus Sacratissimum miserere nobis, Mater Dolorosa, ora pro nobis, Beatis Carolus Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Oh, I did neglect to mention that Salman Rushdie was attacked. The author of the Satanic Verses. And i got to be honest with you. Um, the book's title I always found rather off-putting. So I never bothered actually looking into what the book is actually about. Turns out... <clears throat> Thoroughly different than what I thought. <sighs> so, let's see. I'm going to go over to Wikipedia because everybody, well, you know, because they're going to write about him lovingly. Even though I normally wouldn't go to Wikipedia for my sources, but let's see. The Satanic Verses is the fourth novel of British Indian writer Salman Rushdie. First published in September of 88, the book was inspired by the life of the Islamic prophet Muhammad. As with his previous books, Rushdie used a magical realism and relied on contemporary events to create his characters. The title refers to the Satanic Verses, a group of Quranic verses about three pagan Meccan goddesses. I'm not going to name them because all of the gods of <clears throat> the Gentiles are demons. The part of the story that deals with the Satanic Verses was based on accounts from the historians Al-Waqidi and Al-Tabari. <clears throat> the book and its perceived blasphemy were cited as motivation in, his in Islamic extremist bombings, killings, and riots and sparked a debate about censorship and religiously mo motivated violence. And this is actually apparently back in the 90s. Fearing unrest, the Rajiv Gandhi government banned the importation of the book into India. In 1989, Supreme Leader of Iran, Ruhollah Khomeini, called for Rushdie's death, resulting in several failed assassination attempts on the author. Interesting. <clears throat> Let's see. Um, yeah, Rushdie was granted police protection by the UK and attacks on connected individuals, including the Japanese translator Hitoshi uh, Igarashi, who was stabbed to death in 1991. Gracious. And of course, as we know, the attempts have con continued, culminating in his stabbing in the neck this past week. Now, I don't know anything about the author. Um, seems to be a fiction writer. Apparently, oh, well, I mean, you know. Yeah, let's see. Um, interesting. He himself was born into a Muslim family. And, yeah. Okay. Apparently not without a little bit of controversy here and there. Um, apparently his birth certificate was changed to make him appear younger than he was. Don't know why that would be a thing. 
um, generally living like a, you know, like a writer and a quote-unquote artist, etc. Okay, so yeah, not... <clears throat> yeah, not really, uh, hmm, let's see. Oh, interesting. He opposed the British government's introduction of the Racial and Religious Hatred Act, which, as you know, is the thing that actually causes British citizens to basically have to... Well, actually, I mean, this actually carries forward today. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, we got the video footage of a British veteran, a war vet, who was detained by British law enforcement because he was, you know, poking fun at one at one of the alphabet peoples. So yeah, <clears throat> interesting, to say the least. I don't know where it fits in the whole in the whole milieu. But definitely interesting. And of course, prayers should be for, because it looks like, yeah, it looks like he's probably completely secular. So prayers for his conversion would probably be not out of bounds. Also for, obviously, prayer prayers for his family. <clears throat> the, but that was really kind of, sort of the additional flavor for this last week. The bigger news, the one that seems to be hovering around, typically actually has most to do with the FBI. Now, Republican Jim Jordan came out and he's like, we've got 14 whistleblowers, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. They're good people, blah, 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 blah. So I'm just going to put this out there. <clears throat> Excuse me. The only good agent in the Federal Bureau of Investigation is one who's resigned. That's it. You want to prove that you're still good people? Look at what your organization has become and get out. Get out. Your organization is responsible for the massacre in Waco, Texas. Your organization set up the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping. Your organization is hiding what is presumably evidence, probably of FBI wrongdoing, because that would be really the only reason why you would hide such a thing, is that you have false flag agent, agent provocateurs going around the Capitol trying to get that nonsense to pop off. And I gotta be honest with you, a couple hundred people going into the Capitol and acting a little rowdy, um, really not that successful. Despite all of your best efforts, you did not successfully get somebody who was actually interested in kidnapping and assassinating a governor. You did not catch 800 people who stormed the Capitol with guns and pitchforks and torches. You didn't get any of that. When you look at what actually happened in the Capitol, all of the footage that has been released, all of the things that people have managed to disseminate on their own, has indicated that for, you know, such a spic... I mean, for... Think about this. You had a million angry people in the capital of the United States of America. A million angry people. And the you didn't even get a percentage. 
the the number of people who actually went into the Capitol versus the number of people who were present at the Capitol is statistically zero. You got a couple hundred people out of more than a million. And I've seen the aerial pictures. It was huge. It was huge. And I say more than a million because I got to be honest with you, my best estimates put it a little bit closer to 2 million people in the Capitol. Now, you could say, I mean, we could argue about the numbers, this, that, and the other. And it is my estimate based on the imagery that I saw. Could I see every single head and count heads? No. No, but I know what population density, like like what a dense crowd of people looks like. I was born in New York City. I know what a crowded place looks like. And the imagery of the Capitol resembled the imagery of Times Square on New Year's Eve. And anybody who's ever seen footage, the really popular, especially right around the turn of the millennium back in the early 2000s, if you look at the old footage of Times Square at the new year, that's what a million people looks like. It's pretty easy to estimate. And when you see that in the Capitol, it's pretty easy to estimate because the Capitol grounds are significantly larger than Times Square. Times Square is a blip. The Capitol grounds are huge. So what you succeeded in doing on January 6th was get statistically zero people to enter the Capitol. You threw the book at Buffalo Boy who, I mean, come on. Bozo the Clown had about as much seriousness as young Jacob did walking around in his buffalo horns with his red, white, and blue face paint. And you threw the book at him. You ruined his life. The worst part about it is those people who can remember his name will remember his name and he will forever be remembered as the QAnon shaman. Which is ironic because I don't even think he was all very QAnon. But you look at the footage of him, you look at the actual video footage of him in the Capitol. Did he really seem like a disruptor? Or did he seem like the kind of guy who thought it was really cool that he was going to get to parade around the Capitol in buffalo horns with a flag. And that guy you threw the book at. And that's why I say it was statistically zero. The only person killed, the only people who died, either died of natural causes in the case of the, um, in the, in the case of the DC police guys, or were killed by the cops through their actions. One of them, quite clearly on video, swinging a billy club multiple times on some little old lady. Wonder why she died. Meh. Oh, it had to be natural causes. Couldn't possibly have been that billy club right across the face. Ashley Babbitt, who got shot in the neck. Yeah, little five foot tall, little five foot tall Ashley Babbitt Such a dangerous threat. 
She's ultra maga. She's got the ultra maga superhero strength. Ridiculous. So you have potential massive scandals. You have a massive scandal in Michigan. Waco was Texas. Boston. Ugh. Goodness gracious, if you knew about Robert Mueller in Boston. If you knew about Robert Mueller in Boston. I don't even want to actually get into too many details. But I can definitely tell you that the things that happened in and around Whitey Bulger are not what you think they are. Take it further, they've got major misconduct in Las Vegas. Of course, you got all the money flowing through Vegas, so there's no surprise there. Fast and Furious, again, on the southern border, I think specifically in Texas. It might have been in Arizona. Major mishaps in Los Angeles. Major mishaps. I mean... Look, a friend of mine had a FISA warrant executed on him. Now, this friend of mine was a sergeant. He was a non-commissioned officer in the Army National Guard, in the Texas Army National Guard. He had a FISA warrant. A Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrant. Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. He had a FISA warrant executed on him for his conduct within the borders of the state of Texas. He also, conveniently, had predator drone surveillance executed on him while he was within the borders of the state of Texas. Now, why would I get a little bit concerned about predator drone surveillance being being conducted over one of my friends? Well, why don't we ask the 16-year-old American citizen who caught a drone strike to the face while he was overseas? From, you guessed it, a predator drone. Although I'm pretty sure the FBI wasn't piloting that one. Then, I suppose we can add to my experience, my negative experience with the FBI, would be the fact that I served in Afghanistan alongside FBI agents. Now, we didn't serve together. Our operations were not concurrent. They were not attached to us. Neither was I attached to them. But it did kind of feel like maybe, just maybe, the Federal Bureau of Investigation might have been just a little bit outside of its jurisdiction operating in Wardak province, Afghanistan. Operating in Nuristan province, Afghanistan. Operating in Waziristan. Operating in Kandahar. Operating in Ghazni and Sharana and Kabul. Now, I don't know when they decided to put the FBI field office in in Kabul or Jalalabad. I just know that it seemed a little bit weird that they had an FBI field office in Afghanistan. 
This was in 2008. So admittedly, as much as I liked the FBI, you know, back when I was a completely brainwashed America-type patriot, there was always just a little bit of side-eye that I always gave the Federal Bureau of Investigation because it just always seemed like what they did, what they actually did on the ground, never really seemed to match what they were supposed to do. And my inability to process cognitive dissonance could not connect for the life of me. And I don't know why this was. But I could not connect for the life of me the misconduct of J. Edgar Hoover. The known misconduct. And by the way, the misconduct of J. Edgar Hoover goes so much further than most people know. I mean, everybody knows he was a cross-dresser. Oh, I'm sorry. It was very cisgender male of me. He was non-binary. Had J. Edgar Hoover been running the FBI today, his pronouns would be they, them, or she, or some junk like that. <clears throat> it's interesting to me that I wasn't ever able to really put that together. Because for me, like most people, you know, we saw the movie The Untouchables. You know, you got to see, you know, the FBI going after Al Capone and all of this, that, and the other to eventually be brought down by the IRS. By the way, um, foreboding much? I mean, we'll get to the IRS agents in just a minute, but I just want to kind of put that out there, that it was not the Federal Bureau of Investigation that took out Al Capone. It was, in fact, the Internal Revenue Service. Just putting that out there. Now, we talk about how the FBI is the nation's premier law enforcement agency. I have heard that stupid phrase so many times these last couple of weeks, it makes me sick. Because the one thing that's become very clearly evident to me is that they don't enforce the law. They're not a law enforcement agency. They're just another political arm. They're a political arm of the instituted permanent Washington state. the inside the beltway stooges. That's all they are. They live in the, and, and by the way, 30,000 FBI agents, I think it's like 32, 33,000 FBI agents in the FBI today. You want me to be proud of 14 whistleblowers? What is it? What are we judging Sodom and Gomorrah? Gotta find 10, 10 holy people? 14 agents in 30,000 is, is just not enough. You got 14 agents? You want to show me real change? You want to show me that you're actually a good person? Take one look at your badge, go into the office, put your badge in the drawer, put your gun in the drawer. By the way, if you're a good American, you probably have more than one gun anyway. But put the, but put the FBI issue gun in the drawer with your badge and walk the hell out of the office and don't go back. Don't go back. Because otherwise, I will tell you right now, I have more than enough proof to prove that the that the the ground pounding agent, the one whose boots on the ground kicking in the doors, is just as much as a scumbag as James Comey, Andy McCabe, and all of these people. Christopher Ray. <clears throat> because 
because a good person doesn't use a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court to execute a warrant that is supposed to be used on foreign soil. You're supposed to actually use this when people have contact outside of the country and they're not American citizens. You're not supposed to use this on American citizens. You're certainly not supposed to use it on an American citizen who is in a militia for the express purpose of defending the borders of the United States of America. Unless you were worried that he was going to catch on to the fact that you were selling guns to the cartel. Which, by the way, given the time period, is not outside the realm of possibility. It is not outside the realm of possibility that the reason why they went after my friend was because he was about to go after their buyers. Just given the timing. What I know about the timeline seems to fit. 30,000 agents. Their conduct in the last few years, in all seriousness, I mean, we can draw it all the way back to Waco, but in the last few years, their conduct should have you questioning anything that has ever come out of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Every time they said, we did a major drug bust, every time they said, every, every time they said anything, Anytime they come out with any kind of triumph, at this point, you should question, was that really a triumph or did they set somebody up so they could manage to pull that off? Altered evidence? Lied to the court? I mean, this was before they managed to get that pedophile defending stooge magistrate to sign off on this warrant, to rubber stamp this warrant that let them raid the president's home. Oh, yeah, with more than 30 undercover plainclothes agents given a warrant to seize all documents dated from 20 January uh, 2017 to 20 January 2020. 21, excuse me. So four full years of documents, every single document, including his passport, apparently. Oh, and turns out they did take his passport. They got photos. They're gonna. Re- they should have returned. Um, they should have returned it to him as of 2 p.m. Eastern today, as I record this. So they did take his passport, which is weird. Because that did actually fall in the, oh, we accidentally took your passport, which is exactly what I said was one of the possibilities that they were going to say. Because somebody at the agency probably realized, oh, crap, we have his passport, and we didn't have a court order to take it. Because you have to have a court order to take someone's passport specifically. Because it is not possible for a person's passport to be evidence in the commission of anything resembling a white-collar crime. Now, if Trump would have killed somebody, got blood on the passport, it's a different story altogether. Fourteen whistleblowers? Guys, you have an agency of 30,000, should be 14,000 whistleblowers. I'll cut you a break. 
1400. 1400 whistleblowers to start coming out of the woodwork and telling every dirty little secret. And the reason why they won't do this is because most of those FBI agents do not realize that they are the Nazis. That they're the ones. It's one of the biggest problems I have with law enforcement overall. Because if you're a cop, if you're an FBI agent, you're a DEA agent, ATF, you're CIA, NSA, FBI, doesn't matter. That badge poisons you. It poisons you. We went through all of this stuff to try and make sure that police had special protection in the in the day-to-day operation of their of their jobs and that special protection that perceived special protection has caused most of them to get broken in the head. <clears throat> My aunt is a state police officer. At the time, I was an 82nd Airborne Division paratrooper when this happened. I was there to visit, I think for three or four days, and I had a folding knife in my pocket because in the infantry, you always carry a knife. It is the oldest single tool agreed upon by all historians everywhere. It is the oldest single tool ever created by man. You always carry a knife. This was a common folding knife. This wasn't like a buck knife, like it wasn't particularly stylish or anything like that. It was it was a tactical folding knife. Four inch blade, tanto with a with a thumb screw with a th- thumb screw in the in the blade so that my, so that I could activate it with single hand act- actuation, just flicking it open with my thumb. Now, she saw the knife, she measured the knife. She measured the knife against her palms. Now, I am six feet tall. She is five feet tall. And to this day, I don't think she understands that we almost had a situation. Because she said... This knife is technically too long. I should confiscate it from you. And I said, that would be a horribly bad idea. A folding knife is a tool. It is also a weapon, but it is principally a tool. In the hands of a young heavily testosteronized, yes, I know that's not a word, it's a word for the, te- for the uh, purposes of this conversation. Pretty much, if it's semi-solid, pencil, pen, it's a weapon. A roll of quarters. One of my, one of my favorite blunt force weapons ever. Easily concealable, makes every punch count. Makes Mike Tyson look like a bitch. Excuse my French. Excuse my French. Just remembering this brings back all of that. 
But a roll of quarters, if a roll of quarters is a deadly weapon in the hands of a well-trained combat troop, the altercation that was liable to ensue, because I was not a good Christian at the time. I wasn't even, I wasn't Catholic. I wasn't a practicing Catholic. I was fully detached from the, from the one true faith and I was fully secularized. In fact, at the time, I was in the middle of occultism. And I think to this day, my aunt does not understand exactly how dangerous of a situation she almost found herself in. Because she found herself in a situation trying to disarm the one group of people who will not be disarmed without serious physical violence. A warfighter. About a year and a half later, this warfighter would get carte blanche from most of from lo, most of the police officer in the entirety of, in the of the entirety of New York State. Because about a year and a half later was September 11th. <clears throat> now. Disregarding the fact that I was enough of a monster that it more than slightly crossed my mind that I was probably going to commit homicide in my aunt's house in New York. Disregarding that fact. Imagine. Imagine. The chutzpah it takes. To look at your family and threaten to enforce a ridiculous law like that. Imagine. <clears throat> Especially one visiting after having already been to war. Think about that for just a moment. Now, I'm not speaking to the moral rectitude, and we did not have the altercation. Whether or not it was a result of my getting extraordinarily serious in that moment. Because without a doubt, we were going to throw down. That was going to happen. Had that gone on even one step further, we were going to throw down. And a six-foot-tall man beats a five-foot-tall woman, especially when they outweigh them to the degree that I outweighed her. And, and I cannot stress this enough. Cops, all of you, you were all trained to subdue. That means you might be able to cheat a couple of places here and there. But you are not trained to kill. And the punches you pull could cost you your life. The going to this sort of submission move or that sort of submission move, you have got to be Johnny on the spot. 
Because an actual warfighter, a true killer, will allow you to break their arm so that they can rip your throat out. Now, I'm not saying I'm that level of guy. I've never been pushed to that point. So I don't really know. But I have seen people walk up, walk away, without being able to move their entire arm and leave their opponent bleeding on the ground. And I can tell you that were it not for very rapid response from ambulance services, those people would be dead. So, while I don't know if I'm that guy, I certainly do know people who are that guy. If you would be so bold as to try to enforce an unjust law on your family members, and how do I know it's unjust? Because every single one of New York's weapons laws are unjust. Every single one. Why? Because they don't really get enforced on the law-abiding citizen. They get, or they don't really get enforced on the criminals. I mean, yeah, they had stop and frisk for a while there. Broke, broken windows policing and all that. And at the time, that was actually much more likely than not. And New York was safer at the time. But look at New York now. Look at New York today. Look at Baltimore, Boston, Chicago, Washington, D.C., Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Austin, because Austin, Texas is quickly turning into a crap hole. Denver. And you can even go to the places that are relatively small town. Go to Omaha. Omaha, which used to be famously called Obamaha because they voted for Obama both times, went all in. In Nebraska, for crying out loud. Wouldn't have thought that one. But you look at any of these places. Minneapolis, how are they looking right now? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And all of them are looking the way they do because they got district attorneys that don't charge, because they got cops who either have their hands tied or are just not willing to put the neck out on the line. This is a prime time for most cops to be on the take. This is a prime time for most cops in large urban areas to be on the take. Is it going to be most? Eh, maybe not. <clears throat> But there's going to be that squad of untouchables, that seven, eight guys, who no matter what they do, you just can't get near them. And in a city like New York, where you got 60,000 police officers, that squad's going to be in every precinct. And with more than 120 precincts. Let me say that again, with more than 120 precincts. Seven, eight guys in every precinct, 120 precincts, that's 800, that's almost 800 precincts, that's almost 800 cops. 800 cops. It's larger than a battalion-sized element of cops who are very well likely on the take. And to be sure, that's seven or eight. It is not, seven or eight cops in a precinct is not the majority of a precinct in New York by no stretch. It's maybe six or seven percent. A precinct is going to have probably a couple of hundred off. I mean, there's 60,000 police officers in New York. So if there's more than 120 precincts, seven, seven cops in every precinct is a drastic minority. But the damage that they can do to a city is huge. And you put that badge in someone's pocket or on their chest, and you run an extreme risk of that devil, that, and no joke, it's a demon of insecurity and pride. You run an extreme risk of that demon showing up and starting to manifest itself in that police officer, in that FBI agent, in that ATF agent, in that DEA agent, in that CIA spook. You run a high likelihood. They're not above the law. They are the law. And there's no recompense that you're going to get to fast enough to keep them from messing your whole world up. And we're about to do that. Oh, hang on. Let me back up. 
We're about to do that with the IRS, but we've already done it with the Environmental Protection Agency. I was, I was stationed in Alaska the day that they raided a village at three o'clock in the morning. The Environmental Protection Agency. No FBI, no state troopers, the Environmental Protection Agency in full SWAT tactical gear, kicking in people's doors at three o'clock in the morning. For the record, they didn't issue a single citation. They did not confiscate not one piece of evidence. They achieved no thing except to terrorize a whole town as the frickin' Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA. I wonder what that's gonna look like when it's the IRS. What do you think it's really gonna look like when it's the tax man? You think they're gonna storm Nancy Pelosi's walled-in, gated household? You think they're gonna rip open her $20,000 refrigerators and confiscate that $12 a pint ice cream? You think they're gonna go rifling through her wardrobe? You think they're gonna do that? Well, they might do that. They're actually legit. They might actually do that to Elon Musk. <clears throat> it's not outside the realm of possibility. They just did it to Donald Trump, so we do know the billionaires are on the list. But they're not breaking into George Soros's house. They're not breaking into Tim Cook's house. They're not breaking into Bill Gates's house. Can't even get the FBI to arrest Hunter Biden for stuff that we all know he's done. Oh, they're gonna raid Donald Trump's house. Ain't nobody gone. Ain't nobody gone to go get F Hunter Biden. Heck, <clears throat> they've got that laptop of his locked up in a basement somewhere. Probably not even, it had probably, in all honesty, probably hasn't even been checked into evidence. They probably haven't even opened up the laptop because they know exactly what kind of problem it's going to cause. If I seem a little bit saltier than normal, admittedly, I did not expect to go this long. I did not get, I did not expect to get riled up enough to cuss. And, I, and the worst part about it is, is I have to, is I have to do, is I, I'm talking about this topic knowing that I have family, like my aunt, like my cousin, who thank you, Lord in heaven, thank you, finally reached retirement. And I know from talking to him a couple of years ago, all he was trying to do was keep his head down long enough to make it to retirement. What makes my cousin different from most people is he was a war veteran before he was a cop. He was a Marine, infantryman in Iraq before he was a cop. Which meant that when he became a cop, he didn't have anything to prove. He'd already proved it.
He was a sniper. He already proved. That's why when he became a cop, it was all cool while he was on the beat. And then he started looking around. And thankfully, because he was a Marine first, he had a shorter trip to make it to retirement. He didn't have to do like some cops had to do, go long, just, you know, trying to make it through, slog it all the way through because he'd already got, because he already had retirement credit from being in the Corps. So it made the trip a lot shorter. He didn't have anything to prove. He's also not that, I mean, hell. From when we were kids, he had nothing to prove. It's funny because he was shorter than me. He's skinnier than me. And he never had anything to prove. Never. He didn't go into the Corps trying to seek adventure. He actually literally went into the Corps because he realized he just had to get out of the house. What he was doing wasn't working for him. You know, he was going to college, you know, he was trying to work his way through college and this, that, and the other, and he was just like, you know what, no. And he just said, forget about it. I'm going, I gotta go do something. But he didn't do it to prove it to his father. His father didn't want him to go. He didn't do it to prove anything to the family. He was just like, I gotta go. I have, I have to get out of the house and go do something. One of the best men I know. Absolutely one of the best men I know. And I know it drove him nuts to see people go absolutely buck wild breaking the law and not be able to do anything about it. And when I say buck wild, we're not talking about, oh, he was jaywalking. Anyway, but knowing full well that I've got family that went into that went into law enforcement, not and it's not obviously not just my aunt, not just that cousin, and another cousin who was a, who was a detective down in Florida. <clears throat> my uncle Ed was a cop. Although my uncle, I mean, he's my great uncle. He was a, he was a cop. He was a cop back when New York Police Department still wore woad blue. For those of you who don't know what woad is, it's W-O-A-D, blue. <clears throat> but I look at what's been going on with police officers today, and the moment that, like, no joke, the moment they took the tie off, or I should say, the moment they added the sappy plates... The military, the military wartime grade body armor over top of the tie, it was over. The moment they started putting co- law enforcement in combat uniforms, it was over. That's not, look, the badge could be to serve and protect, but the moment you put 
a police officer in a combat uniform, it is not protect and serve. It is close with, engage, and destroy. Okay? That is everything about a combat uniform. The combat uniform, when you put it on, close with, engage, destroy. For those of you who don't understand, I'm going to divert a little bit and we're going to talk and we're going to talk about clothing. That saying, the clothes make the man. Well, the clothes make the woman also. You put a woman in blue jeans and she acts a little bit more crass, she's a little bit more rough and tumble. For most guys, she's actually, you know, kind of normal to be around because now because now she kind of looks and feels like one of the boys. You put her in a dress and she becomes a princess. A guy in a t in, in t-shirt and blue and and cargo shorts is a slob. A guy in khakis and a polo shirt. They're gonna behave differently. For no other reason than they're wearing khakis and a freaking polo shirt, which is not a t-shirt and cargo shorts. You're not walking around in a tank top and basketball shorts. That's that is the that is the uniform of a slob. And every guy knows it. Put on a button-down shirt. Don't even add the tie. Button-down shirt, khaki pants, khaki slacks. And you're gonna change him. And you're gonna change him a little more. Add the tie. You change him a little more. Put him in a suit. You change him more. You put him in a bespoke three-piece suit, and you change him from head to toe, inside and out. You put him in a military uniform, you change him again. The clothes make the man. And anybody who doesn't understand that, doesn't understand that, does, has no idea. Because a cop who's in full dress uniform behaves completely differently than the cop who's in combat, who's in a tactical SWAT uniform. And it is just a fact. And it goes further than that. The The cop in a shirt and tie with slacks and shoes, with a uniform that actually looks professional, You put him in a car like the Crown Vic or a Dodge Coronet and you get a completely different cop than the cop that you put behind the wheel of a Dodge Charger. You get a completely different cop than the cop that you put behind the wheel of a Ford Explorer or some kind of rough and tumble pickup truck. The accoutrements make the person. All of the accoutrements, from the vehicle, to the types of weapons, to the type of uniform. And what we've done in the United States of America is we have been way too willing to put entirely too many law law enforcement agents in combat uniforms. You don't think that matters? Any of you out there have have soldiers, sailors, airmen, or marines in your family? And when they're in their battle uniform, the camouflage, you compare their behavior 
to when they're in their dress uniform. You compare your child's behavior in his Sunday best to when he just comes home from football practice. You get them dressed up for a job interview, even though the vast majority, particularly with teenage boys, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, Teenage boys, they're not going to be able to put that, they're not, going to, they're not going to wear the suit right. It's just not going to happen. They're awkward, they're going through puberty, they're gangly, stuff don't fit right, it's off the rack because they're probably going to shoot up another six inches in the next nine months and, they're not, and none of those clothes are going to fit anyway. <clears throat> but you put them in dress clothes and then you put them in street clothes. Take it one step further. You put them in, you put them in an organization like Junior ROTC, the Civil Air Patrol, and then put them in a battle uniform. And for you men out there who've served in the military, you know what I'm talking about. Your behavior in your dress blues is a whole lot different than your behavior in your battle uniforms. Whether it's, whether it's the, uh, the Army combat uniform or, you know, your MARPATs. Your behavior, your behavior in your uniform, in your battle uniform is completely different than your behavior in your dress uniform. And you know it. Especially when your dress uniform fits properly. Now, I know with the FBI, they're mostly men in black. I got it. They're supposed to be in suits anyway. I got it. It's a little bit different. I got it. I did not expect to go this on this far on about law enforcement. I really did not. I'm just going to end this. I'm actually, we're going to wrap this up. I've been talking for an hour already on a topic I did not expect to go off on. <clears throat> so I'm going to wrap it up with this one question. With everything you've seen over the last several years, I'm not saying defund the police. I'm not at all. In point of fact, we need to put the police back in the, back in the suits. The full coat with the tie and the shirt and the slacks and the hat. You get rid of these ball caps. Get rid of these combat uniforms. Don't get rid of the bulletproof vest, obviously, but go back to the concealed vests and put them back and put them back in suits. And you tell me if you don't expect a complete difference. Because the cop who's in a combat uniform expects to go to war. He acts like he's going to war. That so-called professionalism Every man can fake that professionalism. You cannot fake the professionalism when you're in the suit. You can't. You cannot fake the professionalism when you're in spit shine shoes. Even even if they are the patent leather parade parade shoes. 
because it would have to be. Because I got to be perfectly honest with you, I would I wouldn't I wouldn't wish good old fashioned traditional Oxfords on anybody if they had to walk the beat. You get them out of Dodge Chargers and Ford Explorers, and you front the money, and you put them in a nice car, Chrysler three hundreds. They don't make Lincoln anymore. That, that part's a shame. You put them in a nice car. See, the old Dodge Coronet and the old Impalas, those were actually nice cars. Put them in the Crown Vicks. I know they don't make Crown Vicks anymore. You know, you still equip them with the with a good engine and the good suspension and the good brakes and all that. The more durable frame, but you put them in a classy car. Something with something with well-appointed chrome. Put them in a Lincoln. Lincoln's actually Lincoln's still around. Put them in a Lincoln. Put them back in the suits, and put them in a Lincoln. And put them in a Lincoln. And you'll get a completely different class of officer. You foot the bill for the nicer clothing, for the nicer equipment. You don't put AR-15s, not in their hands. You get him a good rifle, a nice rifle, a quality rifle. I mean, don't get me wrong, AR-15s are quality rifles. But if you know what I'm talking about with getting him out of the Dodge Charger and putting him in a Lincoln, and getting him out of the combat uniforms and putting him in the suits, then you know what I mean when I say put a, put a, put a good rifle in their hands. They can have all the same capabilities as the AR-15. But you make it a nicer looking rifle, something with class. You put handguns in their hands that have some that that have class. And you get a completely different police force. Because the clothes make the man. The clothes make the man. And then you actually get John Q. Law. who acts right, who stops cussing, who doesn't have to restrain his speech, that'll come more naturally. And you get rid of the FBI altogether. All together. You want to have undercover cops? That's fine. You have undercover cops. Those undercover cops, when they're in plain clothes, you make sure they spend most of their time in in good suits. Good suits. That means no off-the-rack crap, nothing rumpled, good suits. And maybe you got to put them deep undercover and have them... No, actually, you don't want them doing all that... You don't want them doing all that nastiness. Because all that nastiness... Oh, yeah, well, we want to try and break into this, that, and the other. Bro, no, you don't want that. 
You do not want it. Because, because once they get around that dirt, eventually that dirt gets on them, and then they become a dirty cop. The problem with undercovers is that they're aimed at prime, crime prevention. That's not what justice is about. It's not. And I know I'm going to ruffle a lot of feathers with this part. But half the reason why you got the FBI acting the fool the way they're doing, half the reason why you got all these scandals with the cops, is because they're trying to prevent crime. And it shouldn't be about preventing crime. It should be about cleaning it up. That's what, for crying out loud, that's that's what police are. You're a public officer. You're a public official. I hate to say it, but you're actually there to clean up the mess. Yeah, it sucks. You wish you could have stopped the guy from murdering so-and-so. You wish you could have stopped the gang fight from breaking out. You wish you could have stopped it, but that is not how justice works. You name for me at what point in sacred scripture it says stop the crook before he becomes a crook. Where in holy scripture... In Catholic tradition, does it say that you go out and you, that you go out and you stop the thug from being a thug? If you can find it, but you can email me, Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com. If you can find it, I know it's a painful truth. It's an unpopular opinion. It's a hugely unpopular opinion. But it's the difference between justice and tyranny. Gracious. There's so many things that we got to rewrite. You can't do it as, as a federal government. There's too many things we want to hold on to. And we just got to let them go. We created a tyranny of 30,000 30,000 tyrants. And we're about to introduce another 165,000 more. I don't even know if I want to... Yeah, I'm going to publish this. Why not? You can't stop somebody from being whatever it is they're going to choose to be. You can influence them to try and get them to make a better choice. You can try and bring someone to repentance by showing them there's a better way. But when you try to stop them from making the choices with violence, you're not doing any good. You're just not. You give them an opportunity to do something that's irrevocable. You give them the opportunity to repent. You give them the opportunity to go to confession. You give them the opportunity to do penance. And then you put the needle in their arm and you put them and then you put them out of the community's misery. Or you put the rope around their neck and you put them out of the community's misery. If it has to come to that. 
Anything else is torture and injustice. <clears throat> and you can make the argument, you can pose the debate, you can email me. Email me, tell me you want, you want to come on the show. I will bring you on the show and we can talk about all of the things that are horribly wrong with the justice system. All of the things that are horribly un-Catholic with the justice system. And I guarantee you, most of those things are going to be things that you're like, but wait, we can't stop doing that. That's going to open the door for the criminal. You can email me, Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com if you're willing to, but I will give you the warning. I will tear all of your arguments down to dust. I will leave you no quarter because I have seen what, what our system in its current incarnation and in all of its nasty little variants does to people and it is straight out of hell. And I'll bring the receipts. I really did not expect this episode to be about the justice system. I, I'm not going to... I'm kind of... Actually, I'm really stunned. I'm looking back at this one and I'm going, whoa, this, this apparently was a tangent that I've been waiting to go on because I've been listening to people come to the defense of corrupt people because they wear badges. Anyway. <clears throat> I hope you got to listen to this without commercials, but I got to be perfectly honest with you. After this episode, if you're not really all that interested in chipping in a dollar to feed the raccoons and getting rid of the ads, I'm not surprised. But you can find the links in the description. It's uh, plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic, or you can do a one-time donation support.acast.com uh, slash Radio Free Catholic. Uh, like I said, both links are in the description. You can email me at the... You can email me and tell me, you are an absolute monster. And I will probably just reaffirm that. At, uh, you can email me, Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com. You can DM me on Twitter, at Mighty Colibri. Find me on SP3RN at Caleb the Mechanic. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <laughs>